Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hello and welcome along to the penultimate, we think, full throttle podcast from Eurosport in 2021. It's Monday the 15th of November. Well, this is it. Greg Haynes with you. And this weekend, this is the finale. I can't quite believe it. We've had four weekends off since Argentina. But this weekend in Indonesia, the brand new Mandalika track on the island of Lombok. We are going to find out who will be crowned World Superbike Champion of 2021. Will it be Toprak Rasgatioglu on the Yamaha, the first Yamaha champion since Ben Spees in 2009? Or will it be an incredible comeback for Jonathan Ray to make it what would be seven titles in a row since 2015? We'll be live in the early hours of Saturday and Sunday mornings. All the information and the times coming up later in the show. But let's crack on because I've had a great season of commentary with either James Whittam or James Toseland. James Whittam, of course, with us for the whole season here on Eurosport. JT stepped in on the clash rounds when Whit was otherwise engaged at BSB. And I really couldn't decide which of the two to join us for this last preview podcast of the season. So what did we do? We organized a Skype call last week. I got both of them on. And uh, as you can imagine, there was a good amount of banter and quite a lot of tension in the air as we get ready for this weekend. Well, I didn't really know which one of you to pick for this because we've had some great laughs in the commentary box, haven't we? Taking the mickey and having some informative and entertaining chats on and off air all season long. So I thought I'd better get both of them together. So it's James Whittam, we'll refer to him as Wit, and James Toseland, who we'll refer to as JT to make it a little bit less confusing. Wit, we'll start with you. How are you? How's the last few weeks been? It's been a long wait for this last race, hasn't it? Yeah, it's a bit odd, really, um, that there's, a, there's such a, a, a five-week gap, um, especially when we're all on ten talks as to what is actually going to happen. It's been the best end, uh, to, or the best boiling up to an end of a championship in, in World Cup I've seen for a long, long time. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, I hope it hasn't lost any. I don't think it will have. Uh, certainly, I'm excited about seeing what's going to happen, but we have been sort of hanging on it for five weeks, haven't we? JT, you definitely picked the right season to uh, return to broadcasting, didn't you? <laughs> I, I, you know, I'm genuinely getting a bit nervous because um, it was a little bit annoying that this five-week gap that it's been be between the penultimate one and the last one. And it was like, because the momentum's been rolling so fast on it all year. Like, it, is it is it top rack? Is it Johnny? Da, 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 da. And, you know, even Scott was 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 there or thereabouts, you know, only a couple of races ago. Like, so it's there was three, it was like a three-horse race at one, you know, not long ago. So it was like, I, do, I was just desperate, like, because we're all impatient, are we, at Tracers? Uh, I was just impatient to get a conclusion to it. Uh, but but now it's kind of, it's only next, or oh, this week, sorry. It's mm. like, um, it, 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 it does, I kind of forgot the last three or four weeks. <laughs> and like, I'm now I'm now in the race week mode. Race mode. And I, yeah. And I'm, and I'm generally getting a bit nervous for it because, you know, it's like, wait, it's it, the, the week before you've got a chance of becoming a world champion. And like, um, I'm sure John is not as nervous, being you know, since he's got six already on his mantelpiece. <laughs> um, 
but but for top rack um this is this is the biggest week of his life in a way i think it's quite it's quite apt that we, we say it a lot that that one thing that kawasaki's got is they've got the day and they've got the history they've been every circuit before and and one thing we've got here with this with the new circuit is the fact that nobody's got anything like i said brand new Asphalt, that nobody knows how, it, how it's going to perform and how it's going to feel, if it's going to suit with Kawasaki. The track, to me, looks, in, in plan form, it looks uh, a little bit of everything, some slow corners, but some real fast balls and stuff as well. So it's almost perfect that nobody's got an experience, nobody's got any data. The, the both both teams, which is we're talking about two teams in actual fact that championship, and and I think it's I think it's going to be cracking. We're not because no, you just don't know what's going to happen. You can't no. put our money on either. You can't. And I think the I think the, the the most important session of the whole season will be FP1. If in yeah. FP1, Phil yeah. Top Rack's chief engineer will have done as much homework as he can back in the uh, back in the uh, and in the uh, the workshop, which he which he will have done. If Top Rack goes out and the gearing's all right, the balance is all right, suspension's all right, and Top Rack is in the top three, then it will be a normal 30-point lead of a championship and he should win. Mm. Right. Mm. If they get a bit unlucky and all of a sudden John is a second faster in FP1 than the Yam because, just because, <laughs> because of all those factors, yeah, I t- that's 30 points going to slip away rapid. Yeah. Right. So, you, know, point. you know, you said they're going to do the homework. Uh, that they can. Uh, Phil Marin at, at, at Yamaha, top rack man, he, and he knows how to do his own work. I know when we went to Most, nobody ridden at Most, virtually nobody, of the of the regular front runners had any data, the teams didn't. And the lengths that, that Yamaha went to get top rack, as much information, they went to all the Yamaha. Uh, the, yeah, they got the, it from Yacht, didn't they? They got it from, yeah. uh, from Yacht, boys. Uh, yeah, they got it from yeah. the German uh, teams that have ridden yeah. there. And they yeah. got everything, they, and the so they went in with as much information as they could, and 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 that definitely played dividends. So I don't know that they're going to be able to do this uh, with this circuit because I don't think I think they're virtually just finishing it off, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. Yeah, they've got, I think they've got a race weekend this weekend for the junior uh, or the uh, Asian Cup. Yes, they have. Um, just to just to give it a bit of a run out, you know. And I think yeah. that's not just the track. I think that's obviously the Marshall points, the TV points uh, for the camera positions, the garages, yeah. the, the electric in the garage, you know. Yeah. All of the all of the production that you can think of. That uh, it's not it's not just bikes going around a track. There's so much production behind the scenes that needs to work as well. So yeah. fingers crossed it'll all go well this weekend. Because uh, yeah, um, yeah. If, if 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 there's something fundamentally wrong with the track this weekend for the Asia Cup, yeah, it, you know, it, we could we could get a cancellation. You know what? That, that's a fair point, that JT, because there's, you can put everything in place. We and people know how a circuit works and what you need and, and safety uh, kind of regulations and all that. However, until you you know yourself, until you get something done, you really something could crop up that you've never even you've never even thought. Yeah, you know, you get people going round and, and the riders flag up some kind of issue that isn't going to be every sorted in, in a week. You know, it's um, it is it's a, it's a it's a close call. Yeah, like the, the Navarra situation where we had that crash, and then we realised on commentary they hadn't got a service road down the edge. No. So, so when, the, when we had a serious accident and it was on the floor, and it was it was you, you got a question whether we needed uh, emergency uh, vehicles to to yep. go and uh, to go and give them service. Uh, yep. They had to stop the race and and shut yep. the racing down on the thing. So it's um, I, obviously it's it's world championship racing. 
um, the safety officers and, and the technical directors and all the rest of the team, they are the best in the business. And, and I'm sure they've been out there and, and yeah. done all their due diligence on it. So fingers crossed, it'll all work out well. Portimao, when Portimao was first built, I went to commentate with Jack and for the first World Superbike round there. And literally, that was the first time anybody, apart from local riders, did that test in the place to see how it went. Just, you know, that was the first meeting. First top line riders were there. And literally, there was no road to the circuit because they couldn't, they hadn't got time to put the road in. So you're on a goat track to get to it. And then this massive, brand new, multi million pound facility uh, hove into view when you're on your goat track in your hire car. When you got there, that it still smelt of paint. The guy had just finished with his roller, finishing the <laughs> press room off of paint. So it does work, and it did work that weekend there. So with a bit of luck, like you said, we'll be all right. Let's put ourselves in Toprak's mind here, because I'm thinking, you know, if all goes according to plan, like you said before, JT, it should be relatively straightforward, shouldn't it? If he wins race one and Jonathan Ray is third or lower, Toprak is world champion. However... Let's just say something goes wrong for the Yamaha, and it has happened before this year, and Jonathan wins race one. It's down to five points with two races still to go on the Sunday. Yeah. So, JT, starting with you on this one, you've been in this position before where you're vying for a world championship. How does Toprak go in? Bearing in mind they've got two days of hotel quarantine as well when they get there to really think about the whole situation. How is he not going to overthink this? Because he doesn't make mistakes. He copes well under pressure, but he's never been in this situation before. Well, FP one's the if you're if you're if you're a card player, if you're a poker player, FP one is the deal. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And and when Top Rack turns those two cards over halfway through FP one, he'll see if he's got an ace and a king or a two and a four. You know, if, if that Yamaha works out the garage straight away and it's comfortable with his riding ability and his confidence at the minute on that bike with the team is racing for, there is no way that top rack is going to be easy to beat, right? And if you're not easy to beat, then he should be in the top three or four and he should take the championship with a 30-point lead. That's, that, that, that is how it is going to roll out, right? If, if he is a second slow on Friday morning than Jonathan Ray, um, that that lead is 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 no more. You've just got to scratch out what you can, where you can, and try and just grab onto every single point that you've got as an advantage to do that. But that's what he'll be thinking, right? Yeah. In the hotel, in, in, he will. Well, that's how I'd be thinking. I'd be thinking, please let me put my helmet on on Friday morning. That guy's cock my leg over that bike, and whatever I do on that track, how I do it, because you're not going to know, right? You can run around it. You can cycle around it. You might be able to take your scooter around, whatever. But uh, you are not going to know how top rack on a Yamaha in that in on that track um, is going to perform. And he'll just be fingers crossed, looking at his pit board and keep coming in the guys, looking at his name, hopefully the, in and around Jonathan. But if I tell you what, if he didn't, if Jonathan's there with the second advantage on Friday afternoon, <laughs> it's going to be really interesting. Wait, what about Indonesia as well with the temperatures? I mean, you won in Indonesia, didn't you, at Sentul in 94? Yeah. You know, is that going to be challenging? There's going to be rain every day, they're predicting. It's the monsoon season. I mean, it is. can you imagine it's what can happen? It's be having a race in yeah. uh, Indonesia because, like you say, it could, the monsoon could well have broken. It's going to be hot and humid and awful and potentially pouring down with rain. However, I honestly think that the way that Top rack is and the way the season's gone. Remember, he's, he's made no mistakes, none this year. The DNFs have been uh, a breakdown and he got swiped. 
And so Mudguard. Mudguard. It will be yeah. really cool. And he's going to be, I'm not going to say overconfident or confident. He's just going to, he's going to know that he's got that 30 point lead. And it, as long as nothing goes really badly wrong, I think that he's going to be in the hunt. Remember, it's not just him and Jonathan that have been to this place. None of the other people that Jonathan needs to get in between those two, if he's got any chance of the championship, they both stay on and both the bikes keep going. We've got to assume that. Um, everybody else is brand new to the place. They might struggle. It might. I just. I think he's going to be reasonably confident and that unless he gets some really bad luck, that he's... <laughs> Got one under it, I think. Yeah, absolutely, he definitely has. I'm just thinking though, if it is rainy season, you know what it's like with him. It's like if you want to be within a second of someone, please let it just be dry all weekend. Let's just have it <laughs> nice and consistent, right? Because <laughs> if it, you know when I'm talking about rolling the bike out and hope it, everything just works okay, yeah. you're all right, right? Well, the chances of it not being all right in the rain, yeah, are twice as at least yeah. at, at least twice. And, and, uh, as, the chances of having a silly mistake, touching a white line. Yeah, yeah, at least twice. At least. At, at least. least twice. Yeah, the the, oh, the bum will be definitely twitching if the, if the forecast is wet. <laughs> I was definitely. looking into this as well with this monsoon season. There's two monsoon seasons in Indonesia. One of them is now for the first ever World Superbike round. The other one is in March, which is exactly when the first... MotoGP race is happening there so they've not really timed that very well but it's great isn't it to be able to go to a new venue for the last round it's a bit like what happened last year with Estoril that was new for World Superbikes with the current field but this like we said before there's no video footage apart from this Asia Talent Cup race that will have happened by the time this podcast goes out you know it's it's amazing isn't it where that we've got no onboard laps there's no footage they can look at it's completely new it's the most level playing field for a championship decider that I have ever seen. Honestly, we went to a championship decider in 93. It was, um, it was Scotland with a slightly... Yeah, we yeah. got to a place called... Uh, I don't know what the circuit was called, but it was in a, a sportland, Mexico City. It was in... <laughs> there were football pitches in the middle of the circuit. It was <laughs> yeah. Balls back across it was, there were stray dogs wandering across. <laughs> the circuit security was the issue, and we didn't end up racing. <laughs> uh, but that would have been another absolutely level playing field towards the end of the oh, season. Oh, yeah, the race we... was cancelled, wasn't it? I remember. Yeah. 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 yeah, That that's the only thing we don't want happening, isn't it? Some sort of unforeseen problem like that. What a tragedy that would be. Well, yeah. d- 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 saying that, though, sat here right now, if this last race was cancelled, the right man wins the championship for me. That's the nice thing. I believe. You know, like like Whitam said, he hasn't made a mistake. He's had three. He's had three non-scorers without without his uh, being his, his mistake. Um, I think I think Jonathan Ray's rode amazingly well with that and underpowered and and lack of handling on the front on on the tight corners on Kawasaki this year. So absolutely fair play to taking it to the last race because I don't think that Kawasaki should have taken it to the last race. I agree. It's cost of Jonathan. Yeah. Um, but. But but if it is cancelled now and Top Rack is declared the World Superbike champion for me, no, I ain't got a problem but with that. You know what you just said there? You touched on it. I think you're absolutely spot on. I have never seen a man override a bike that didn't deserve to be quite where it was being put by the rider mm. for as long, for as many laps and as many races as Jonathan's managed to do this year. And what's really impressed me, the man's got six championships. I, I don't know. I've never been to his house, but it's a nice big posh house. <laughs> and, He's got everything he wants and a few quid at bank. And he is still prepared, quite prepared, to do amazing things and push the limits and step over that limit to, to take it to, 
stop that. That's amazed me how much he prepared to roll his sleeves up and have a fist fight. He's been mm. brilliant. Well, I, we, we saw... I saw a completely different side to him with the Magnico shenanigans, right? When I saw him whisper over Pereira and, and, and do that and, and have those tactics with that kind of vigor and that kind of that that sneaky um, non-relenting like competitiveness that he'll ride over your ground, right? Yeah. To get the better of you, I I I didn't. I've not seen I've not seen that in Jonathan because we've not seen that in Jonathan because no one's taken him to the to the to the wire before like no. Rackers. So no. this is why we're seeing every single different personality trait of Jonathan Ray this year because his backs against the wall. But and yeah. and, and I tell you what to do what he's done to win six championships and still do what you're saying with it's because he is that competitive and when yeah. you're that competitive you're not that likable are you you know yeah. Yeah, you've got your, you've got to have your own views on what happened at Magna Court. And no, but uh, no, but your your person, but but being that competitive is not a likable trait. I mean, what, once you take your helmet off, you can be calmed down. But I think the point you're making is that he doesn't care if he's liked or not. It doesn't matter. Sometimes he's going to be, but he doesn't care if he isn't to get the job done. This year, especially, I think, in it because yeah, yeah because I, of the situation, Top Rat put him in. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, and and it's like, I mean, I we've all had an opinion on that Magnico thing, aren't we? But um, at the end of the day, I think we've all been like really blown away about uh, how how competitive Jonathan Ray really is. Mm. It, it's it's been it's been staggering, hasn't it? If the man is going down, he's going down. <laughs> if he is, certainly is. <laughs> he's not. You know, he's. he's I've loved he's, it. He's not you know. Forget my opinion on, on either side. If you agree with me or not, right? Exactly. That, that's not that's not the point. Um, the point is, we, I tell you what, we've we've been lucky to enjoy some of the best superbike races and racing um, that, that I've I've witnessed for for, for many many years. We've had great we've had great battles, um, we've had great battles in superbikes all the time. To be honest, whether whether it's someone that you're a fan of or not, or or, or you say you know with the popularity levels or, or what, we've always had generally pretty good superbike racing at the front. Yeah, yeah. I think we've got to thank Scott Smart for that as well. Do you not think with with the way the regulations? I think we said it's eight different teams have been on the podium this season. Eight different teams. Yeah, and it's not an easy job to keep different configurations. Uh, and it, and remember, it was different CCs yeah. uh, when the twins were or they were so. To keep it balanced over different um, natured tracks where sometimes you might have an advantage of a little bit more torque, some need a bit more top end. And they've kept it reasonably well balanced. I think that one of the problems they've had over the last few years is Jonathan has been so good on the Kawasaki that how can you kind of, uh, what's the word, how can you allow these extra 500 revs that, Kawasaki thought they were going to get because they increased the revs on the road bike. How can you give somebody who's already at the front most weekends? You know, it's difficult to justify that. So I think they've done a really good job. It seems unfair at times, but I think in terms of close racing, they've done a they've done a, a, a fantastic job. And it's that is not easy to keep it at that sort of level. Guys, just also while we're talking about Scott Smart there, we're going to have to talk about Paul Smart, that terrible news we heard, the loss of Paul Smart the other day. I mean, uh, uh, what a name, you know, famous, of course, most of all for winning the Imola 200, but a big, big shock and all our thoughts with the Smart family at the moment. 
Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I knew him really well as a good friend. Uh, I just about remember him racing uh, as I was a, a really young kid. Uh, but more than all that, he was just a lovely, lovely gentleman, a, a real gentleman. Um, you know, him and Maggie always used to come and, and, and watch at Brands Arch, and they were just lovely people. And, and it's, it's sad. It's a, it's a sad thing. Here, here, absolutely. Is every time I, I the, the the pleasure of meeting him, he always stopped and talked to you, uh, and wanted to talk with you, um, without distraction. That's how I remember. Um, mm. and he he always had um, he, he always had he always had uh, his complete um focus and concentration when when he when he came up for for a chat with you. Where, and and in an environment in a paddock, um, difficult. Where, it's diff- it is difficult that, yeah. and um, that that just showed just showed you know the make of the man really, uh, and yeah. I, I I always I always enjoyed every chat with him. I, I, but uh, yes, we've uh, it's been a, it's been a tough year for losses with from the youngsters, haven't we? Uh, for three teenagers and then and then to to Paul, it's uh, it's uh, um, it's <clears throat> it's certainly had its downs as well as ups. That's for sure. Yeah, actually, on that note, JT, starting with you, we have had some modified age limits, haven't we? Uh, and the reduction of the size of the field in Supersport 300. I remember Wit and I were talking about this in podcasts weeks, months ago. Uh, it's been going on all year. JT, starting with you on this, this one, though, what do you make of these age limits? Minimum 18 in all the MotoGP categories now. Uh, some increases to all the other junior categories too. Is that a step in the right direction? I think it is. Um, I think now what we've realized is teaching these kids at five, six, seven years old how to go around on a motorcycle on the tarmac, not just bobble around on a trials bike or a motocross bike on a field. Um, they are learning the discipline um, of road racing, which generally is a lot faster because of the grip levels on, on the asphalt. And um, we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not taking into consideration the um the maturity of of these kids uh, and we can't expect them to have a certain amount of maturity with the speed and the competitiveness and the lack of um uh, the, the the lack of um inhibition and and self preservation that's that's what it is because that's what a kids that's what that's why being youthful is great uh, there was a saying that these kids don't know what they can't do yet right and and, and, and that's what you need. And that's why races go racing. But we need to protect that. We need to harness that. And we need to make sure that we unleash that at, at the right time. And I think, and I think for me, it's, it's been a good decision. Yeah, Whit, what's your take on it? Because as I said before, we've talked about this all year long, haven't we? Supersport 300 that we've been commentating on and Moto3, those two categories, have been super, super entertaining. They always have been, but a little bit scary this year. Yeah, I, I've got my own feelings on that, and it's quite simple for me. Um, I, I I would hate to think that people would look at me and think that I was against motorcycle racing or any dangerous sport. I'm not. You ought to have the right, as long as it doesn't affect anybody else, to do what you want, in my opinion. If that's uh, strap a wing to onto yourself and jump out of an aeroplane, so be it. Parachuting, rock climbing, horse riding, fishing, speedboating, whatever you want do it if it doesn't affect anybody else's safety however the you need to be of an age where you have the ability and mental maturity to take decisions on which your life may depend and if you are 14 on a bike that has the capacity on a track that has the capacity to kill you you're not old enough you're not old enough 
you at 14 or 13, even worse, you require your parents not only to earn money to buy you food, clothes, schooling, you need them to look after you and take some decisions for you. And for me, there, there has to be an age limit where, to, and what I mean by that, don't, don't stop them going on tarmac. Keep them on cart tracks where they're doing 50 miles an hour, where the, the damage can be done is limited. To go on full-size circuits, and I mean Cadwell or Monza or any of them, right? any circuit, a G, any GP-style world championship circuit or national championship circuit that's got tarmac and putting kids on bikes that have the capacity and speed to kill them is not a good idea for me. And actually, the FAM should be the watchdog on this. Not Donna. The FAM are the, this is the Federation of Motorcyclists worldwide, like the ACU is for the UK. They should say, hang on a minute, what do you want to do? Oh, well, we want to put 13-year-old kids on motorbikes around big circuits and put pressure on them and, and make them win a championship and offer them prizes for doing that, of a ride in another class the year after. The, the FAM should have gone, uh, no, that's a really bad idea. But no, they've gone along with everything, and now they're having to reverse out the cul-de-sac that they built. And, and you know, I don't want to be too scathing, but yes, it's a move in the right direction. Yes, it's a good decision. Shouldn't have had to be made because it should have been never there in the first place. It, it's it's not a good thing. And and for what reason? Why were we doing it? Why why were we doing it? We were doing it to make a 17-year-old or a 16-year-old world champ. Well, hey. Well, let's make 22-year-old world champs mm. who want to do it. You know, I, I, I never got it. I don't get it. And I think it's a step in the right direction. Yes. Yeah, because without getting too macabre on this, I also think think of the mental effect it has for some of those other kids that were involved in the Dean Berta Vinales accident, for example, and what they had to witness there. Yes. Uh, JT, you were going to add something there. I, I can't agree more. I think I think everybody's on the same page here. Um. I was I was just thinking about the monetary side of it as well because uh, you look at um, Wayne Gardner. Uh, I know uh, had the financial strain and now Mackenzie. I know the financial strain it's taken to get his two lads up to top at British Superbike level and and obviously uh, Remy's got a chance of winning the Moto Two and it's 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 cost uh, it's cost hundreds of thousands to to get Remy an opportunity to put himself in the shop window. Um, obviously getting a 17-year-old world champion for manufacturers and for the show because the show needs showmen. And yeah. if, you're a, if you're a star at 17, they've got the longevity there for having a star like Rossi 25 years in the game and building the popularity because motorcycle racing, um, as much as it is about the technical side with the motorcycles and selling motorbikes to actually put the show on, it's about stars. And um, uh, but, but we were getting earlier and earlier to have the longevity of that. And and we get we were get we're getting too early for it. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And not only that, if you if you squeezing these kids through a system, and this is what it is, uh, it's a tiered system that only has one goal in the end, and that is not uh, to have a Moto Three World Champ. We've had a Moto Three World Champ from this country, Danny Kent, and guess what? It was seen as an abject failure because he couldn't make the step up to another class and win a world championship the next class up. They're pointing everybody towards the pinnacle of this sport, which is only one man, and that is the Motor GP world champ. So all these thousands of kids who start and are offered the world and have the parents gain skinned, 99.999% of them are going to be disappointed. 
because only one of them out of a whole generation can actually get to where the, the system is set up to get them to. It's 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 a weird thing. Go back, James, if you can remember when you were a kid, there used to be 250, good 250 riders. Uh, might have been before your time, but people like Tony Mann, mm-hmm. four or five times a world champ, right, mm-hmm. on 250 and 350. It was a, and, and he'd never wanted to race a 500. He wanted to be a 250, and he was a, and he was a star for that. Angel Neto, 13 times a world 80, 50, and 125 championship winner. A, a, a legend in his own country. Nowadays, with this system we've got, he'd be looked on as a complete failure because he couldn't win the MotoGP World Championship. And that's mm-hmm. that, that's a bit sad, I think. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, but is that is is that a, a global outlook uh, thought, or is that because we're in in the in the game? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, how, how how far does that spread wide? If you know what I mean, that that is that a UK thing? You think, James? Or no, I think I think it's more or less a Spanish no. thing. This has come from. Do you think that's changed since Dawn has been involved? Maybe in the last 25, 30 years since ninety two, and they've bigged up MotoGP. Well, it, I mean, it definitely has changed in that time. For the reason I'm not, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to try and put my finger on exactly who and what and why it's gone that way. But it definitely ha- has gone that way. Mm. Everything is a feeder now. Even more too. You never talk about. People forget Moto2 World Champions. It's great when somebody wins it. Hey, he's won the Moto2 World Championship. Ooh, oh, what rides you got in Moto, Jack, Moto Grand Prix? It, 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 you, you're almost, you've got to move on. It's almost like a game show. Do you, do you know what I think the problem is, though? Coming back to what I was kind of hinting, I kind of made two points, but then made one out of, out of two. Mate. But it, I, I think it's a monetary issue as well, James, because in Moto3 and Moto2 now, you have to pay to even do it, right? Correct. As, and so the only paying professional ride is in the top 10 12 of moto gp right there is there is a few people bringing money to moto gp even um at the elite at the elite level so i think that's definitely not helping this funnel effect pushing everybody towards that because while you're having to put two hundred thousand pounds in of your own money to even do the job and and this is national level as well. I mean, yeah. I've just been talking to a close friend of mine trying to find a ride, and he cannot get a ride cheaper than 150 grand in British Super Sport. Yep. British Super Sport. So yep. so th- there's no wonder that everybody's thinking that we need to be in that paddock because that's the only way I'm going to earn a living after it. And if you've been on bikes from being five, six years old, and you've done all your training and you, and you got pretty handy on a motorcycle, um, and, and you get to six in the UK. Imagine finishing six in any national UK championship, any of them, right? You're doing pretty well. It's all relative, yeah. isn't it? Mm. If you yeah. finish six on a 125 or six on a superbike, you've, you've ridden the same. <laughs> it's just as hard to be that competitive at any of them. <clears throat> but it's, at six, you, if you've got to, if you're, if, you're eight, if you're 16 years old and you're six in the British championship, your family's probably put about £250,000 in. Correct. And remortgage their house in some cases. Yeah, and and it's getting worse. I mean, I think one of the problems for the industry was when tobacco got banned because all of a sudden it was on a false economy, and and you know the the, the, the energy drinks have caught the you know they've caught that it's a some level, but nowhere near the same level. And you know that the the elite elite there's a few there's a few people earning decent money in Moto Two at the top. Uh, a few hundred thousand but you know there's there's multi-millions if you're motor gp champion but but the drop-off is is Incredible. far too dramatic far too dramatic and it's, it's not and even the drop-off it's a complete swing 
Yeah, and that's why from earning decent money, yeah. two rows behind them, they're paying yeah. all they've, they've ever earned to be there. Absolutely, and that needs that needs to change because that's not helping the push that you're talking about. I agree. Yeah, because even in um, Junior Moto Three, Monlau Competition, Australia Galicia, run by Emilio Alfamora, they're talking 400k, aren't they? Half a million euros sometimes in the Moto Three Junior World Championship. Imagine we got a, a system in where there was an automatic promotion, but how would that happen? That would need all the organisers of all the national superbike championships, prototype championships, CIV, BSB, and everyone. So I guess it would have to be led by the FIM, wouldn't it, to get together? I can't see how else they could make that work. Well, the the, the wages are paid by manufacturers at the minute. I'm not sure if that's a, a good idea. Mm. Um, I don't know whether there should be some monetary control um, about a, a set system that you get paid for certain level. You know, it's like back in the old days, you used to get a, a little envelope with your prize money in <laughs> if you were first or, or, or if you were 15th. It went down to 15th back in the day. You got like you got 50 quid or something if you were if, if you were 10th. But there was a set. There was a set, um, um, uh, uh, you know, pyramid system. But to JT, it. I yeah. think didn't Bar Barry Sheen used to get a bit more than 50 quid, didn't he, in his brown envelope at you, Cadwell, you, if you, the stories or anything to go by. You've got to be careful. That, that's a bit <laughs> of a, a tricky road to be sort of navigating because when you've got a sport that's as individual as all sports are individual, even team sports, people on different wages, different football, you know, you, 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 you star men in the same team and they get a lot more money than their teammates. And it's the, the same in bike racing. You've got to be careful that you don't have. If you've got a pay structure, well, then I, I, I mean, I, I went down. Uh, you know, I did the same job uh, as, as, well, let's say in my day it would have been buggy, because I went around the track on a motorbike and I opened the throttle and I crashed sometimes. But he earned a lot more money than me, so I want the same money as him. You've got to be careful there because you know he's won seven world championships and I didn't. So you're mm. almost paid what you. Yeah, yeah. Deserve the the market yeah. supports that. So yeah, I don't yeah, think and, and if, have... it's if it's results based, it'll go back to the same situation, I suppose. Correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, but some I think, but it's definitely not helping that that that. It definitely push, this push no. now. No. Just going back to the safety. Yeah, yeah, Sorry, JT. The safety aspect for a second. Uh, obviously, we'll have to just underline again, and we've said this a lot over the year anyway, haven't we, on our output and on the podcast here, that those three accidents that claim the lives of those teenagers, Jason Depasquier in Mugello in Moto3, uh, Hugo Millan in a European Talent Cup race at Aragon, and then, of course, Dean Berta-Vignade, Supersport 300 in Jerez. They were incidents that could have happened on any track at any time in any category, weren't they, in the sense that somebody's crashed and been run over. However, yeah, that, this, go on, James, sorry. It isn't. Not, none of those crashes were um, a, a symptom of the of track safety. Uh, they were, for me, they were uh, it, at least in part because they they were all in low powered classes. Therefore, more people can get the best out of those bikes. They were in classes where you are limited in the setup you can do to that bike. So there's no difference to be gained there. And because of all that. Uh, you you make it so that the racing is absolutely as close as it can be, which is brilliant if you're watching it. But what it does mean is, uh, if if you do fall down, there's generally you are in a pack and yeah. uh, you therefore have a lot more chance of getting hit by a, a, a following rider. And that's been that is the problem.
Well, on that note, actually, I was chatting the other day with Nico Sartori, who's a very successful crew chief. He's working at the moment with Anna Carrasco, but he's worked with Keenan Safoglu, Joel Cuzel, Luca Myers. He's worked with Superbikes, Supersport Bikes, 300 Bikes. He's been around a long time. And I messaged him because I was doing a feature for MCN on the safety, and I wanted his opinion on the matter as he's working in Supersport 300. And he said he was actually very glad I contacted him because he feels the media can, can push this even more. And he said he and Joanne Lascourt's who, of course, was paralyzed in a very nasty accident himself, a very unlucky one at Imola. They went recently to Scott Smart, and one of the suggestions they've, they've put forward to Scott, and he said this could be done at the moment with the ECU that the 300 bikes use, is to, when they're in a gaggle, make the ECU of the bike connect with the lights on the back of the bikes, because he said one problem they have been having is that they're not seeing yellow flags, they're not seeing red flags, or at least they're seeing them too late because they're focused on what's happening around them. And he said the lights could flash on the back of the bike to a certain intensity for yellow flags, another one for red flags. Another idea was to have a sort of flare inside activated by the same system, the same gas that activates the airbag. So when a rider crashes and he's in the middle of the circuit, a sort of smoke flare goes up in red smoke. I mean, that would make them more visible. It's good they're talking about stuff like this, isn't it, James? I mean, that sounds to me like a decent idea. Wit. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I read all that. Um, I've been, for me, the flashing lights, very bright, LED type on your dashboard. Mm. Even though you're not looking at it, you would see it in peripheral vision. Well, they said the dashboard, um, but they also said the lights on the back of the bike as well. It would all be connected yeah, for, up. For, for, but, yeah. So, but, but having that, having some um, illuminated uh, kind of warning, yes, I get that. Yeah. I think the idea of the, of the smoke bomb leathers for me, don't hold much water just because it'd be so complicated. Uh, if you did get a, a sort of, um, what's the word, uh, an accidental discharge, let's say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, know, be, you know what I mean? It'd be like, like James Bond, <laughs> James Bond smokescreen. Imagine that. But you know what I mean? If it, if it went off by mistake, then there's a problem. Yeah. Would it be quick enough? Would it happen quick enough to, um, I don't know. I just think there's a lot going on in them, in them, crash situations and to make it more confusing sometimes will be quite easy um but hey, just, anything that gives the following riders the ability to know and give them an edge up quicker would be it would be an advantage mm. you've just said it there i think with the, the key to it would be in anything speed because all the impacts that have taken the lives especially that one in red um, you came out the corner and hit him straight away they're into flare yep. on the planet and there's yep. a light on the dash that is going to come quick enough for that so, no. And you need reaction time after that. You know, you need you, you need not only your rider, but your following rider to see it, but he's got to react. And, well, and, it, know, it, it, if a rider crashes in front of you, um, you've got, there's not a yellow there's not a yellow flag or a yellow light no, or anything that you, nothing. there's nothing is there that can change no. that uh, that avoidance of that. that time is your thing. It's time. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and JT, just yeah. before we move on from this topic, I suppose finally. The industry needs to be careful and, you know, it's treading on thin ice in some ways, but it needs to be careful it doesn't shoot itself in both feet as well, doesn't it? Because at the end of the day, without sounding callous here, motorcycle racing is extremely dangerous, always has been and always will be. Yeah, but you go back to what Whit said, you know, if you're 18 years old and um, and, and you can pass that you are um, compass mentis enough uh, that uh, that you've got all your faculties in in line, and when you say I want to get a helmet on and I want to go out racing, uh, and we can't see anything obvious that we need to protect you from as an adult, uh, crack on with whatever you want to do, yeah. like Whitton said. Well, I, I agree, Tyler. 
But boys, just before we and sign that, off, that's obviously on, that's obviously JT. physical because obviously we have medicals, don't we? We have a, we have a medical yeah. to check everything, and we have a physical. Yeah. So if you yeah. pass a medical and a physical, and you still want to do it as an adult, then uh, yeah, you, your choice in life. You know, I mean, uh, there's uh, you know you could you could fall off a horse, you could fall, you know, Correct. you could you, whatever it is, you know, you you you've got to do what you want to do. Yeah, agreed. But just before we sign off, just a few quick other points that we need to watch out for this weekend. We've obviously got manufacturers fight is still going on. Teams championship. I'm keen to see who's going to get fourth. Rinaldi versus Locatelli has been a great battle all year long. Top independent. Will it be Gerloff? Will it be Bassani? Uh, and then we're, Chaz Davis. It's going to be an emotional weekend for Chaz. How nice yes. would it be if he could just get that 100th podium? He's been on 99 ever since he was on the podium back in Estoril. Yeah, I, I think that um, he's got he's got a chance. We know that on his day, um, we know that Chaz is capable of running uh, right at the at the pointed end. Really, would love to see that. I have to say, I'd love to see the hundredth podium. Universally liked and respected in the paddock. He's the nicest fellow you're ever going to meet. There's other nice guys in the paddock. We know that we get on with ninety nine percent of them, don't we? But he's <laughs> particularly intelligent and articulate, and it doesn't. I mean, not that I wouldn't be worried about anybody. You make your own way in life. But you look at some riders, you think, when you retire, what have you got? But actually, in Chaz's case, he's, he's, he's intelligent, he's hardworking, and he's, he's level-headed like you cannot believe. And he will do something. And whatever he does, he'll do all right. Yeah. Here, 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 here. And, it, you know, like you say, and if it is raining on a brand new track in Indonesia on a Ducati, <laughs> you know, yeah. You, 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 there's not much you ain't got to have a good do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A good do. That's a good thing. I don't know what it is here at Eurosport. You've either got to be called James or come from Yorkshire to get a job here, apart from. Oh, both. Yeah, or both. Or, or both in your case. Yeah, both of you. Um, oh, by the way, Tom Booth Amos, that was just confirmed last week as well. He's got a World Supersport ride with the Pradina team. That's really good. Uh, and Ben Curry's got a super sport ride for next year as well with uh, Pachetti, Pachetti's back team. Where that's good news. Both nice guys, both deserving of those rides. Yeah, uh, I think in uh, the case of uh, Tom Bull Amos, uh, quick rider, lots of talent. Uh, I think he, we, we have yet to see if he can make the jump. All I would say it's a big step from a bike with what forty-seven horsepower mm. uh, that weighs under and sort of. Best part, 140 kilos on its own, uh, to a bike that isn't much heavier with probably three times the power at least. Um, so it's a big step. He's an intelligent lad um, and he's prepared to have a go. So the best to him. Uh, ben Curry, uh, it's his big chance. He's always wanted, he went into British super sport as a stepping stone, only intended to be there for a year when he arrived from Australia. He got rather bogged down with some people doing BSB and it didn't that original plan didn't work for him. And I wish him all the best. It's a big ask. All I would say is Supersport changes next year. And really? we don't know what effect the changes are gonna have. We don't know whether you know a nine five nine CC BMW with a weight penalty is gonna be miles better than anything else on track or miles worse. We don't know. So he might just have looked out and uh, might get lucky. And who knows? Um, but all the best to him. It'd be good to see him. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I second all that. Um, there ain't much that Tom Boothamus doesn't think he can't do. I know he's a regular <laughs> swagger. Um, and, and that's what you need in life. You know what I mean? 
Um, ah, anything's going to go from the forum. Neighbours of the day for me, that. Yeah. <laughs> so, let me just get me around that again. There is much. That, say it again. I don't know. I don't know if I can say it again myself. God, that's that's absolutely perfect. I mean, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. But don't you think you need a little bit of that sometimes? You do. Yeah. And that, that was my next sentence. And if you're moving from a, a level up horsepower bike up to the super sport guys against all of those really really fast. You know, I think Agatha's signed again for the next year, so you're going to have the world yeah. champion there, uh, which is uh, which is going to be not easy. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, you know, you've got a certain Bailey's back on the grid. Yes, uh, yes, true. Not the one, not the one we've uh, we've, we've formerly known, but uh, um, uh, Ollie on on the night, on, on, and I think that's a great call, by the way, from Troy. You know, yep. get him in there, learning the tracks. It's yep. it's not a super sport bike anymore, so you're not like you're not you're not you're not learning the wrong things if you do want to go to superbike anymore. It's a thousand cc Ducati twin. Yeah, yeah. So you're riding the tracks, learning the tracks on yeah. something similar to what you want to be getting on the next one. That's that's what yeah, this new I super sport championship is going to be I, like. I can't wait to see that. I can't. I, one of the reasons I can't wait to see Ollie uh, in the paddock is because I want to see trying the paddock. The yeah. man, I've never ever. I mean, you know him a lot better than me, but in my little bit of knowledge of him, I've never known a more determined stickler. In my whole life, I went to see him. He was 50-odd-year-old. He's making a bit of a comeback in uh, Aussie Superbike on a Ducati, obviously. This is going back about three years when we last uh, went out there commentating. And I went to see him in pit lane, and uh, session had just finished, and he's qualified third or whatever. And I thought he'd be having a right old laugh and really enjoying it. And I said, hey, what are you doing, you silly old son? He goes, hey, mate, I'm serious. And he was dead. He looked at me like, like he had lasers for eyes, and I thought, "Oh my god, awful. the man's serious." Awful, yeah, awful. Yeah, try racing against the bugger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I tell you what, he's he's just thinking about it. He's the top of my list to be on a really long road trip, and you've run out of sweets. <laughs> <laughs> run out of Werther's originals, you know, JT. Is that what you say? You, you know, and, and he's getting a bit hungry. You know, and <laughs> yeah, and, you, and it, you, He'd be looking at you, and you know what he'd be thinking. Yeah, it was your responsibility to get the sweets. (laughs) Sweaty palm situation, that would be. (laughs) That's great, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, with Remy Gardner, um, with with, with obviously Bayliss, with uh, with Mackenzie's, uh, it's like... The, the, the dad and lad thing is, is really good kicking it. off, isn't it? It's, yeah. It's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, and it, and it's, it, it's a, it, racing in a sport, it's a life. Yeah. And, and if it's not for you, if it's not a passion, it's not for you. life, you're in the wrong job. Absolutely. And, and, and there's a reason why the sons are doing it, because they, they've grown up in the paddock as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I always remember Hargis, three little lads. Um, I don't know what they're doing now, but they must be on a well, they race, somewhere. they race a little bit. Are they? They must be. They they must be. The Italian uh, Championship, one of them. Yeah, I don't know just how far they've got or how far they intend getting, but uh, yeah. they were in the paddock on little scooters and bicycles running into your ankles from, from yeah, being about two years old, weren't they? Little it, pets. It, it, I tell you, you know, if, especially MotoGP doing 21 rounds, honestly, it's a full-on way of life. Uh, you, it has you, to be. You, 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 I, think you're, I think you're literally seven months away from home in yeah. total, you know? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's a huge, huge commitment. So if you're travelling around with your family and all the rest of it, it's, it's all they know as well. I'll as tell what you what, know. that wouldn't do for you, James. You'd uh, water your yucca plant when you're standing up. Every Monday, James, that is. Every Monday. <laughs> we are, by the way, we are going to try and make this a video podcast in the future so we'd be able to actually see that plant. 
It's a lovely plant there, James. <laughs> um, I, actually, I actually got that from a moving in present off my mum, right? <laughs> There's no wrong with that. Out walking out nursery and you, you're actually saying it you, with your mum uh, if you have to get your parents to dress you and make decisions for you right you shouldn't be racing I'm thinking shit I'm like that now <laughs> 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 I might start racing next year when I grow up yeah <laughs> now this has just reminded me why I've loved working with you both so much this year it has been a pleasure by the way just back to Ducati I hear they're going to pour a load of money into that because Nicolo Boudicca's on one as well isn't he so it might be yeah, bad you know it might be bad news for Go 11 in Superbikes because I think a lot of that cash is going to go to Supersport next year. Yeah, and do you know, on a bit of a sort of side thing that, I, because Ducati are putting a bit of effort into that new Supersport uh, class or the new regulation Supersport class, yes. you have to think that they are not nuggets and you have to think they've looked at the rules as published by the organisers and, th- and they must have thought, do you know what? We can do this. We've got a bike for this. Our bike's going to be really competitive. Because if it wasn't, there's no way they'd be putting a huge load of effort behind it. And they are. And I think I think the Ducati could be could be the one to have. Wait a minute. Are you saying are you saying an Italian team with an Italian bike is stretching out the rules? <laughs> stretching out the rules as far as you can take them. I, I mean, yeah, they, just, I'll be a first that surely. Yeah, and, and, and an Italian rider. <laughs> yeah, you. you you know they've got a bit of a they've got a bit of an idea what they can do, I think. <laughs> 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 right before we sign off just a quick reminder for everyone that we will be on air and uh jt for you in the london studio this is going to be an interesting one 3 a.m on saturday morning and then 3 30 a.m on sunday morning this is going to be a well unsociable hours but i can't think of a better reason to get up or stay up at that time of the day than uh, indonesia world Superbikes. what's going to happen then guys final point before we sign off who is going to win that i would not want to put money on this because with the number of twists we've already seen this year Anything could happen. JT, start with you on this one. Who's going to win the World Superbike Championship this year? Oh, can I tell you Friday afternoon? <laughs> well, you can. But Literally. Not, but, not but who do you I, want I, to win, but who who would you actually say, oh. if you had to put £10 on it now, and it's, mm. it's almost impossible, who would you go it, for? It, it, it is a real tough one because you've got the nationality thing. You've got how well Jonathan's ridden on that Kawasaki. It shouldn't be in the title hunt, really. Uh, so you, you've got that respect. But if, if anything did sway it, um, I, I've sat down with Top Rack a couple of times. My God, what a lovely man! Uh, you 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 read a little bit about his his troublesome history first personally, and and you read why he turned down a MotoGP ride because he wants to win a Superbike Championship on a Yamaha because his dad rode a Yamaha. If you just if you just do a little bit of research on his background, you'd be like, oh my God, if that can all happen, I'd be raising their glass. And he's 30 points in the lead with the way he's ridden without any mistakes. I don't think anybody would argue with the first Turkish Superbike champion ever. Mm. But but I wouldn't argue if Jonathan pipped it from 30 points behind either, because if he pulls another 30 points next, uh, this weekend, uh, well, I'll, I'll doff my cap to both of them, either of them. Whoever does it, I'll be like, fair play. Um, but someone on Sunday night... Um, especially top rack is going to be massively disappointed if he doesn't, because he's not going to get a better chance than this. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, who I want to win is relevant. Uh, who I think he's going to win is top rack. He's got a 30 point lead. He's not dropped the ball yet this year. Uh, it's a completely level playing field. However, just exactly like James just said, 
if somehow there's something happened and uh, Jonathan can wrestle uh, the, the trophy back out of uh, Toprak's hands, uh, well, you'd have to respect and take it out to that as well. So the fact is, it's going to be a belter. Make the best man win. Correct. Yes, yeah. absolutely. May the best man win. Well, guys, thanks very much to both of you. It has been a pleasure. And I know we'd like to take the mic, don't we? We have a lot of banter on on, F air, uh, on and off air. We're, we'll do one more podcast next week after the race in the commentary box. But JT, you'll be in the studio this weekend with James Hayden and Matt Roberts. Looking forward to the studio in the early hours of the morning? Get some pizzas in? Not really. Uh, to, be, to be honest, I wish I was on commentary because at 3 o'clock <laughs> in the morning, I could have turned up in my pyjamas. <laughs> oh, that's what yeah, we'll be doing, yeah. I've got to Listen, get dolled up the, in the studio. The way yeah. you look and the way I look, the only one of you are going to get in the flipping studio. <laughs> bear in mind, he's, know, a, just bear in mind he's only got one eye, so that's got to be taken with a pinch of salt. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got feelings as well. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I, was, I was actually wondering what I was actually wondering what I'm thinking what <laughs> <laughs> so you, yeah you're right vision wise aren't you Jason let's not dis I'm let's digging not myself into a deeper eyes. hole here yeah between that, three men let's not dis one eyes <laughs> <laughs> anyway I was going to say yeah be careful you'll have a you'll have a you'll have a writ yeah <laughs> yeah that's the last thing we need I'm, I'll be speaking to my legal team <laughs> uh -huh. Okay, well, I'll see. To be honest, with, 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 the, with the situation of the last race, though, and 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 I, th I think I actually would set the alarm anyway, so I'd be up anyway. So yeah, 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 yeah for yeah, sure. So. Right, we, we might as well uh, might as well add to the show. Yeah, well, I'll see you in the commentary box. Thanks both for this. It's been a pleasure, and yeah, as you both said before, made the best man win. Well, there we go then. There's not much else we can add to that. May the best man win. I will feel so sorry for Jonathan Ray or Toprak Rasgatioglu. Whoever doesn't come out on top, whoever wins very much deserves it. And you just think we're in for a hell of a weekend once again, don't you? As I said there, Wit and I will be back from the commentary box. I wonder what sort of mood everybody will be in by then. How much tension will we have seen? How many more twists will there have been in what has been an incredible season? This is the 34th season of World Superbikes. Definitely one of the very best, if not the best, since it all started back in 1988. Next Monday, the 22nd of November, I'll be back with wit. But in the meantime, make the most of this. It's the last motorcycle racing for a while. And what a weekend it could be. We'll see you this weekend, live in the early hours of Saturday morning, starting with Super Pole. Hold on to your hats. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.